Time for us to check in with Vaughn Palmer on this Monday morning. Good morning, Vaughn. Good morning, Simeon. Like the song says, I'm still standing, not <laughs> overcome by toxic fumes or by the wind. Yeah, good. So can you see that ship from where you are? Yeah, right at the end of our street, uh, the the neighbors have all had their binoculars out and people have been driving by. So I live near Dallas Road in Victoria, which fronts right on the Strait of Juan de Fuca, and the bank on which this ship is burning or the containers were burning is right offshore you needed binoculars to really get a good look at it but it was right there and the big attraction in the neighborhood all weekend uh, ever since the fire broke out on saturday morning and you know the coast guard is watching it you can see the fireboats or whatever they are pouring water onto the thing and there is a safety zone around it saying you know don't approach because the chemicals that are burning in the containers are toxic. As if the shipping industry needs any more problems right now with everything else that's going on. Yeah, Simi, I was thinking of a really, really good book, which I do recommend to people because it was, for me, an eye-opener. It's called 90% of Everything, and it's a British journalist who spent a year traveling around the world on container ships and writing about how absolutely central they are to the global economy. 90% of everything, in whole or in part, everything we buy, everything we ship, everything that comes in, one way or another gets to us by container ship. Uh, the industry is under-regulated, and you know, some, some parts of the industry have very good standards, some don't. And, of course, it's almost entirely still powered by fossil fuel. So mm-hmm. if you think of changing the world... The first thing, one of the first things you're going to have to deal with is the container industry. So true. Okay, so we'll be updating people on that one today. But let's talk about what's going on with the BC Liberals over the weekend because seeing a lot of headlines about this. Yeah, the BC Liberal Party is still, um, you know, shaping up for a leadership vote next February. There are six official candidates. There was somebody angling to be the seventh guy named Aaron Gunn, a conservative political activist. Uh, he's very active on social media, so people want to know more about him. They can go find him there. He was applying to run for the Liberals as a candidate. The party has a, a committee that vets candidates, and they rejected his application on Friday. They said uh, that Gunn's uh, views, as expressed on social media after they'd reviewed them, uh, were inconsistent with the B.C. Liberal Party commitment to reconciliation, diversity, and acceptance for all British Columbians. That's all they said. They did not provide any specific examples of the offending views on social media. Yeah, there was a lot of examination of the things that he had said on social media, right? Yeah, and, you know, it wouldn't surprise people uh, that uh, people who've been very, very active on social media have on occasion said things that maybe they wish they hadn't said or... Maybe they said what they really think, and in retrospect, uh, it gives you an insight into them. The the New Democrats, um, you know, are... are (laughs) NDP caucus research is pretty active. Even before Gunn really made his candidacy official, the NDP was posting examples of his views and saying if the liberals let this guy run for them, it shows they have room for extreme, nasty, unpleasant, bigoted views. That's what the NDP said. 
And, uh, you know, they may, uh, it, it appears to me they probably panicked the liberals, maybe panicked them a bit. Um, it would be interesting to what degree the liberals in rejecting gun relied on the research done by the NDP. Um, you know, this is a risky decision by the liberals, it no is, question. Yeah. Uh, gun, of course, immediately came out and said, this is undemocratic. Why don't you let the party membership decide whether or not I should run? Let me run. And, you know, if the party doesn't want me, the members don't want me, that's fine. I can live with that. And one of the other leadership candidates, Ellis Ross, the uh, MLA, he came out and said the same thing. He said the party should have left this up to the membership. This is a step backwards for the liberals. Right. So why not, though? Why not let him run and potentially lose? So I think there's two or three things here. The first is, you know, the, the, the liberals are spooked by the NDP. They, are, they know that one of the really effective, uh, you know, you could say weaponized, but one of the very effective attacks um, that was used against Aaron O'Toole in the federal election, um, that was used against the Liberals in the last provincial election, was the idea that uh, you're open to extreme views, uh, to prejudiced views and bigoted views. And Gunn had, you may remember Laurie Throness, the, the Liberal right. MLA candidate who Andrew Wilkinson dumped in the middle of the election last year, controversy. Well, Gunn had indicated that uh, Thorness would be welcome back if he were leader. So I think what you got here is partly a fear of what the NDP would do with a Gunn candidacy and partly a concern that a candidate like Gunn might, not that he would win the leadership, but that he would attract a bunch of people into the party in some ridings and that when the next general election rolls around in a few years, those members might nominate somebody, there would be a problem for the Liberals. They'd have to dump the person or vet them. So I think the view with the Liberals was, let's deal with it now, run the risk now, and, you know, fix up the problem afterward. The risk, of course, Simi, is that Gunn will uh, bolt the Liberals join the B.C. Conservatives or do what Maxime Bernier did, start his own party, uh, right of center, social conservative, split the vote and create problems for the liberals in the next election. It was not a situation that offered a win-win scenario for the liberals, but I guess the party leadership decided better deal with it now than let it fester for two or three years and have to deal with it in the next election. This is a bit of a microcosm of what's happening on the federal level, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Um, you know, uh, I mean, I, I see the point of, of about Democratic, right? The, the point of vote Democratic is that, you know, let the party members decide. They're not going to probably pick him as leader, but it's a big tent party and there's room for him. The other side of it is, you know, go back to what Gordon Campbell had to deal with when he took over the Liberal Party way back in the 1990s on the abortion issue. It was still festering out there in the political arena. And Campbell made it very clear to the party that that issue would never be reopened again under his leadership. And it wasn't. Campbell said this is a party of economic conservatives, but it is not a party of social conservatives. And you're entitled to your opinion, but we're not going there on that issue. And he made it stick. And I think 
it allowed him to position the party as a little closer to the center on issues. Is this like a party then, if they want to avoid the kinds of problems of being labeled in an election, like has happened, they can set the rules and the parameters, right? Like here are our rules and parameters, and this is, we're sticking with this. They can, and that's what they've done here. And, you know, but we, you see with the struggle that Aaron O'Toole has had federally that, you know, this can issue, lead, this can be, you can get beaten up one way for having room for extremists and beaten up the other way for letting your vote get split, right? It, it's not an easy political calculus to navigate. And of course, the new Democrats who, you know, they're not going to let the liberals off the hook on this. And the B.C. conservatives are still out there. They're not a big party. They don't take a lot of votes. But in a close election, in some key ridings, um, they might take enough votes to elect a new Democrat, right? That's, that's the vote-splitting issue is always the issue out there in B.C., uh, the the party of the center right, whether it was called BC Liberal or before that Social Credit, has tended to win when the vote isn't split, and it has tended to lose when it is. Exactly. All right, Vaughn. Thank you. Bye bye.